It's great to be back. No place like home, and I'm glad to be home. We were away for a couple of weeks in Kenya, and along with 20 other people, we ministered with our partnering church in Nairobi Chapel at a ministry to children in the slums called Uzima. And there's a picture of us at Uzima. It was our first day there. It's not everybody on our team, but I think it, it exemplifies some of the energy. It captures some of the joy that we experienced ministering and coming alongside the teachers as they cared for about 100, 150, 200 students at a slum called Dandora. We had a fantastic time. Rose and the teachers were so thankful for our presence. You may have heard that we brought some books and some shoes and we brought energy and passion and love. One of my highlights was doing a uh, hugging the children. Rose mentioned to me that sometimes the children don't receive enough hugs. So one of my high points was I, I went down on one knee and I, and I hugged one child and, and she didn't really know how to hug back. So she, I kind of had to teach her to squeeze. And, and so she hugged me. And then before I knew it, there was like a line of girls and little boys that, that wanted a hug. So I gladly would hug one and she'd run back and I'd hug another and she'd get back in the line. And they got into it quite a bit. In fact, at the end, they were like lifting their legs as I was embracing them <laughs> with hugs. It was so fun to be able to see and love these children. Some are orphaned, many don't get hugs, and all are in need of God and education. And we had an opportunity to come alongside a great ministry called Uzima. You're going to hear more about that a little bit later on in our worship service. But for right now, let me just say thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support and your generosity so that we could come alongside this great ministry in the slums of Nairobi. This morning, we are going to conclude our series entitled Walk Across the Room because that's what we want to do. We want to walk, dance, slide, crawl, do whatever it takes to walk across a room and talk to people that may not know God. That's the theme for the last two weeks. We're concluding it this week. We're walking across the room. Sometimes that means flying to another place in the world or even going across a border to Wisconsin in order to share our faith with people that may not know God. And last week, Pastor Craig shared how we are to talk about our faith, that we don't stand on a corner with a bullhorn saying, repent, Jesus is coming back. We have conversations with people in our circle of influence so that they get to know God better. Craig answered the questions, who and how, and this morning we're going to answer the what. What do we say to the people in our circle of influence about God? How do we share our faith? It's a great question. And to answer that question, we're going to turn to a woman in the scriptures who shared her faith. Craig shared a bit of her story last week, and this morning we're going to pick up her story in John chapter 4, page 1052 in your pew Bibles. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you of this biography of Jesus that John wrote. Because John wrote this excellent story of Jesus, and the main theme in the gospel of John is life eternal life. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. 
God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Now, eternal life isn't just time because you can have a long, bad life. That could last a very long time. We even have a word for that. It's called hell. And we don't want that. Jesus didn't come to give you a long, bad life. It's not about quantity of time, but quality. Jesus came to give us abundant, supernatural, spirit-filled life. Not just existing, getting through the day, paying our bills, but living with love and passion and purpose. That's why Jesus came. That's what Jesus gives to all of us who believe. And John wrote in the end of his gospel, Jesus did many other things as well. And every one of them, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for all the books that would be written. So John wrote down a few specific stories to help us experience life. Abundant, supernatural life. And one of the stories that he wrote is about this nameless Samaritan woman. Craig described her last week. I'm going to fill in the gaps and continue her story as we seek to walk across the room and share our faith. In John chapter 4, verse 1, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And although it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back at once more to Galilee. He was in Judea. The bottom part of your screen here, there's a map of Judea at the bottom end. And Jesus didn't walk around crossing the Jordan as most Jews would do, avoiding Samaria. Jesus walked right through. From Judea, walking through Samaria up to the Sea of Galilee, the area where he did most of his ministry. And instead of avoiding Samaria, where the Jews considered people were unclean and distant from God, Jesus walked into Samaria. Now, he had gone through Samaria. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus met a woman at the well, and he had a conversation with a woman at a well, which is quite fascinating. Because back in those days, men didn't interact with women. A Jew would interact with a Samaritan. A rabbi would never interact with a woman at a well, particularly at the sixth hour later in the day. Because most women would draw water at the beginning of the day, but not this woman. She went at, towards the end of the day, most likely because of her poor reputation. So Jesus crossed these cultural barriers to have a conversation with a woman at a well. And he had a conversation about water. But it was more than just the water that we drink. There is this living water that gives life. This is what Jesus said. Everyone who drinks this water, pointing to the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to life, eternal 
life, there are two Greek words for life. One is bios, that's where we get biology, it's the physical life. The other is zoe, or zoe, it's this supernatural, abundant kind of life. And that's the word used here. Zoe, abundant, supernatural, life in God and through Christ. And the woman responds, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The woman is still thinking bios. She's still daily grind. I just got to come back, get more water to make it through the day. But Jesus doesn't want her just to be in bios. She wants her to experience a Zoe, supernatural life. So he says something quite striking. Do you remember what Jesus said to this woman at the well? Listen to these words. Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. He revealed her deepest wounds, her darkest secrets. He said, you're a sinner. You're living distant from God. You're not experiencing life in his name. You are far from God. You're sleeping with other men. And the woman responds, Sir, I can see you are a prophet. You know a lot about me. And then she asks about God. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. There was this long-standing debate between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews thought and believed that the right place of worship was Mount Zion. The Samaritans believed it was Mount Gerizim. And they had this debate about the location, the place, the tradition, the style of worship. And Jesus intersected into that debate. And he said, woman, your God is too small. You've lost track of what it means to worship God. It's not about a space, a location, a tradition, or a style. Jesus said, in the future, the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. The time is coming where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And after this conversation with Jesus, after her sins being revealed, her darkest wounds exposed, after hearing about true worship in spirit and in truth, after experiencing the acceptance of God through Christ, this woman believed. She drank the living water. She put her faith in the Messiah. And she believed. And many of us can identify with this woman at the well. Because many of us have often shared or thought that Christianity is about coming to a place like a building and worshiping on Sunday morning, following some rules or traditions or a particular musical style or pattern of life. And then we meet Jesus. And we drink from the well. And he reveals our sins and we experience his forgiveness and we start to live an abundant, supernatural life. But this woman did more than just drink 
from the living water. She does more than just worship God in spirit and in truth. This nameless Samaritan woman did more than just believe. She shared her faith with others. She gave her faith away. She talked about her personal experience with Jesus, then leaving her water jar, symbolic of leaving her life of sin. The woman went back to the town. She went back where she grew up. She went back to her circle of influence, and she didn't say on the street corners, repent, you know, hell is is hot. She, She didn't start debating about where is the place of worship. This is what this woman said. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Come see the man who told me everything I ever did. He told me about my five husbands. He revealed my deepest, darkest wounds. And he accepted me. He loved me. He gave me a drink of living water. Come and see the man who represents God on earth. Sometimes we get our tongues tied when it comes to sharing our faith. Sometimes we don't know what to say or how to say it. But all this woman said was, come and see the difference that Christ can make in your life. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. He forgave me, he loved me, and he gave me a drink of living water. And I started to live. And they came. Many people came to see Jesus. They came out of the town. They made their way toward him. Many people stopped what they do or they listened to the woman. And we read this powerful, life-altering sentence in verse 30. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed. And why did they believe? Was it because of the teachings of Jesus? The miracles of Jesus? Oh, there are many. Was it because that Jesus cast out a demon in their presence? Why did the Samaritans believe? Because of the woman's testimony. Because she shared her story. Because she simply stepped out in faith and described her faith and said these words. He told me everything I ever did. He revealed my darkest secrets, my deepest wounds, and he healed me, he loved me, forgave me, accepted me. Come and see the man that represents God on earth. And many people believed because one woman shared her faith. Many people experienced Zoe life, abundant, eternal, supernatural life because one woman took a risk, and shared her faith. She simply told her friends, her family, her circle of influence, the difference that Christ made in her life. She didn't debate. She didn't argue. She simply described her story. Uzima is a ministry that we visited in Africa. And Uzima is the Swahili word that means life. Abundant, holistic life. 
we had a chance, 21 of us, to come alongside these phenomenal teachers as they educated the children, not just in mathematics and reading, but in God and what it means to follow Jesus. And I asked two team members, Christina Griffith and Jake Palmer, to come on up here and share their stories. And uh, everyone on the team had a chance to share their faith story. That was one of the things that we did in our training a few weeks ago. We described, hey, this is more than just a trip. This is an opportunity for each one of us to describe our relationship with God. So they had a kind of a beginning, a middle, and an end. They described their faith. And I asked Christina and, and Jake to come on up here and share a bit about the experience in Africa and then share their faith story. Well, I think it's very safe to say that for a lot of us, if not all of us, going to Zima and playing with the kids was probably our highest high point. And I just remember um, a memory that sticks out to me was on our first trip there was on a Saturday, which wasn't, you know, normal schooling for them. And so they were having kind of like a Bible school. And um, Hillary Ludeman and I were kind of picked to be together and sent off to go kind of sit in on this seven to maybe nine-year-old class of girls as they... Um, learned their Bible lessons. And so once their lessons were through, they jumped up from their benches and ran out to the field and gathered in a big circle and started singing lots of loud songs in Swahili that we didn't understand. (laughs) And um, it turned out that these were fun games that they loved to play. And so it was just really fun seeing how they wanted um, Hillary and I to participate with them. Even though we had no idea what was going on, it was an absolute blast. And um, through that... um, I actually had the opportunity to go on this trip with my mom, and she was with us that day, and I got to um, listen to her share her faith story to these children, which was such a cool experience for me, and um, has just encouraged me in wanting to share my faith story with you guys today. Um, So a lot of you know that um, I've gone to Maple Grove Covenant Church my whole life. I've been very blessed to have um, wonderful parents who really love the Lord, and I've been used to go to Sunday school all the time, go to Awana on Wednesday nights, and I loved it. I loved spending time with my friends and learning Bible stories and memorizing verses. But I remember um, something that was confusing to me was that our main, one of the main lessons that we were taught when we were young was that Jesus was our best friend. He was our forever friend, which is a wonderful thought, and I thought it was great, and I had a lot of friends, and I thought it was great that Jesus was one of my friends. But it was also confusing to me because I didn't quite see how this big God who was, you know, the Lord of my life was supposed to be also my best friend. And so fast forward much later, I'm 14 years old and have developed an unfortunate bit of anxiety through junior high school. And I actually suffered the loss of a friend to suicide. And then shortly after lost um, three extended family members. And so this time in my life was just very different for me. I had to deal with a lot of loss and a lot of grief in a short period of time. And um, I just didn't really know how to handle it. I didn't know how to express what I was feeling. And it was really just a huge burden on my shoulders. Um, I felt like a burden to my family because I couldn't express how I felt to them. And I know that they just loved me and wanted to help me in whatever ways that they could. And so it was really a hard period of time for me because I kind of turned everything inward on myself and buried things you know, down deep that were very negative. And I knew that that wasn't, you know, the way to live my life. And um, fortunately, before this time, I had had a, you know, 
a pretty steady faith relationship with the Lord, and somehow was led to read the verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your anxieties and fears on him, for he cares for you, which was just this perfect little verse that was tailored to exactly what I was going through, and it was just a wonderful reminder for me to just kind of read and think about and um, just know that I didn't have to go through it alone, and even though I didn't know how to express what I was feeling, the Lord knew what I was feeling, and I could come to Jesus and say, I don't know how to deal with this. Here are all my problems without having to voice them aloud in a way. And that was really how I kind of was able to escape from my burdens. And it was just a remarkable moment for me and my relationship with the Lord because prior to that, I had a very, I wouldn't say shallow relationship with the Lord, but that was truly the moment that I created a personal relationship with the Lord. And um, I'm still thankful for what I went through to, in order to be able to experience such a cool relationship with the Lord. And so I'm very excited to see where um, my faith journey will grow to in the future. So Christina had a chance to share that uh, standing in front of a variety of people that she didn't know in Africa. And, and she summarized it so well in saying that now you have this forever friend. Yes. This, this friend that you grew up with learning about this challenge in your life, and, and now you have this personal connection with God. Yes. And it was just so tender and beautiful to see her share her story in Africa. And this is a picture of Christina. That's her hand on the left there and taking a picture of, of a girl that she met at Uzima. So now on to Jake. Jake Palmer. So uh, what, one of the highlights that you had in, uh, in Africa, and then tell us a little bit about your faith journey. So the highlight, actually, of my whole life was the kids' smiles. Just them being happy after going to school when at home they have nothing. Most of the kids don't even have uh, parents, and they don't eat. And so them just being happy, that's the highlight of my whole life, for sure. And uh, before I get to my faith story, I just want to just acknowledge one person that it I wouldn't be here without, and went to be able to go on the trip. My mother, stand up, please. <laughs> yeah. just acknowledge her. So, back to my face story, I guess. Uh, the kids, they all were so faithful, and that's something that I lacked as a kid. I mean, I was going to Sunday school, going to church, going through confirmation. At the time, I lived in Chicago for about 10 years. Um, I was just going through the motions, like I'm sure we've all been through. I was doing all that, and it was the last year that I lived in Chicago that I started to notice that my friends are slipping away. I probably only had a, only had a handful of friends, and uh, it was bad. It was tough. So somehow, I don't know the day, the hour, or whatever, as some people have, but I started talking to God at night. Prayed every night and just had full conversations with him. It was great. He was telling me things were going to get better, and everything happens for a reason. And that's when our family was shipped off to Minnesota. He threw a huge test at me, and I failed dramatically. He shipped us off to Minnesota, and I totally lost faith in him. I forgot, I forgot to talk to him at night for about three years and had no friends. The only friends I had were, it was a bad group. I was in, I was in with the bad crowd, and... Thankfully, I didn't do anything bad, but 
just being around those guys, I knew it was bad because it's affirmed by the, a verse that we learned in BMC. Uh, he who walks with the wise girl wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And so now I know that I did the right thing by changing my friends. I started playing football in high school. I started hanging more and more with the football guys and found out that these guys were genuine, genuine guys and they had good, good morals. And so I faded away from my old friends and got new friends, which was good. But for a year or so, I thought my life was good. Was playing a lot of sports, uh, hanging out with friends, but inside I was empty still because I didn't have Christ. And so one night I decided I'm going to read the whole entire Bible. So I sat down, read Genesis 1, 1 1, 1 2, 1 3, fell asleep, uh, <laughs> woke up, read Genesis 1 4, and then slammed my Bible and threw it under the bed and thought, whatever, I'm not going to do this. It's not worth it. So the next day in class, in physics class, I'm sitting next to Charlie. He's spoke here before, and he comes up to me. He says, uh, "So I'm meeting with Pastor Chad, and I wanted, he 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 asked me if I wanted to invite a few friends to talk with them, maybe get a little Bible study Bible study started." And I thought, "Wow, this is incredible." I mean, last night I tried to find Christ, and now he's asking me to go to Bible study. So the next week. I met with Pastor Chad and just fell in love with the guy. And ever since then, I've fell in love with Christ. And my life has been ten times better. I have been throwing tests at me. And I can't, I'm proud to say that I've passed the test with flying colors because of Christ. All right. So uh, one of the things that we did at the at the on our trip was not only share our faith stories, and, and it was wonderful to see Jake, like Christina, stand in front of uh, young people in Africa and basically just describe what he just shared with you. We also uh, had a commitment time at the end, meaning as a result of our experience here in Africa, uh, what's one thing that you would like to do in the future? And Jake, what did you decide to do? Well, I've always wanted to go to Africa since I was a little kid, as my family knows, and once I got there, I just fell in love with the place. And the church, I love the church, and I saw that there was a little internship going on there, a year-long internship, and I was talking to one of the pastors there, and she kind of talked me into it. So after college, when I graduate, hopefully within five years, maybe more, um, I will be, I'll be doing an intern, internship at Nairobi Chapel for a year. my commitment goes, um, sharing my faith in front of a smaller group of students, um, along with Jake and also Charlie, was a really cool experience for me because in the past I haven't really taken the opportunity to share my faith to many people, if at all, just because it's always been, you know, kind of an uncomfortable thing. And um, after sharing my faith in front of those students um, with those two boys and hearing their stories, it really um, hit me how um, these kind of barriers can be broken down once... um, we shared something so personal and, um, you know, just true to ourselves with each other um, and just how you can really create such a deeper relationship with each other. And that's just something that I really wanted to continue doing. And so after the trip, um, I just wanted to commit to continue to sharing my faith story and actively seeking opportunities instead of being passive um, in those situations. So.
So uh, one last question here. So was it, was it hard? Was it uncomfortable to, to stand up there and share, share your story? Yes. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> I love talking from people. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely 100% worth it. Certainly it was a little bit awkward, a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, but you stepped out in faith and you shared your story. And just like we read in the scriptures, one woman shared her faith story and many people believe. That's just the way God works. He's always working in us on his way to somebody else. And when we take the risk and share our stories, we come to life. We experience Zoe. We participate in God's redemptive work in the world and experience great joy. Let's give it up for these two as they shared their stories. On our last Sunday, uh, just this past Sunday, we were at Nairobi Chapel, large church, our partnering church, 3,000 people, and I had a chance to help lead the service. And then uh, Pastor Nick uh, shared the message. It was a message on evangelism. And he gave an illustration from Facebook. And I didn't know this. Maybe you already knew this. But Facebook, there are, are two opportunities for you on your profile page. One is to click like and the other is to click share. And as you know, for those of you that enjoy Facebook, many, many, many people click like. And originally, the designers of Facebook thought that many people would also click share, but that wasn't the case. That it's easy to click like. And many, 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 many people click like, but only a few people share the things that are important to them. And Pastor Nick said these great words, so it is with Christians. Many, many, many Christians like Jesus, even love Jesus, worship him in spirit and in truth, but very few share Jesus with others. And maybe God's word to us this morning is simply this, share, share your story. Tell other people what God has done, is doing, and what you hope he will do in your life. Because as you do that, you experience life. And many others may just believe. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the truth inside of your word that gives us life, hope, meaning, and purpose. And my prayer for us this morning, Lord, is that we would do just that, walk across the room to people in our family, our friends, walk across the street, walk across the hallway, in the cubicle at work, have lunch with that neighbor or friend, and just say, can I tell you about what God has done in my life? Would you mind if I just shared my faith journey with you. God, my hope and prayer is that you would inspire us, you would open up our eyes, that you would even prompt our hearts right now with different people that you would want us to share with. And that we would step out in faith to share our faith with those that may not know you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.